Are you gonna miss Terrence Ross, by the way? I'm just curious about that because uh, you know on social media, I'm getting I'm getting uh, some some love for him, which is surprising. I think I'm gonna miss Terrence Ross the person more than the player. If that makes sense. Mm. He's yeah. grown a lot in Toronto, man. When you think about it from his rookie year till now. He used to be that immature running gun, New Jack City type player, to now, you know, more efficiently running and gunning, but likable. Like, yeah, extremely likable. Yeah, especially when he's like, he shoots the three with reckless abandon now. Everybody's happy about that. I don't know if you got a chance to read the uh, feature that Dan Robson was writing at Sportsnet about Terrence Ross, mm-hmm. about him as the person and how much he loves the city of Toronto, and he just didn't want to leave. But I know, that's why. He understands the business. That's why I feel kind of bad when he got traded because I knew I knew that he like really everybody that comes to Toronto now they like love Toronto completely. This is true. Like, remember Biombo was here, he loves it, and then Patrick Patterson did that uh, that post on the Players Tribune where he was talking about how much he loved Toronto, just being in Toronto, playing for Toronto. What's not to love about here? It's cold. <laughs> oh, come on, aside from that, I mean, they got a good team on the court. Um, there's great players off the court, too, if you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of good assets roaming around the city here. Mm-hmm. What, what's not to like about it? Every player has commented on that. You know, a little Jalen Rose thing. The on and off court action in Toronto is nice, as he says. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the co- I mean, that's why people like to play in Miami, L.A. You know, you leave your game and you get to put on your shorts and your T-shirt. And you leave. And here you got to put on your jeans, your shoes. You know, you got to put on your sweater and then your jacket <laughs> and then your scarf and then your toque. And then I'll like... I get that part, but I think Toronto is more of a destination than a lot of teams in the NBA. Like aside from like obviously your Miami's, which people forget, Miami wasn't a destination before Pat Riley kind of brought them from the dead Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of made it into a destination. Like they were, you know, a fringe NBA team where you go to play, make money, live on the beach. Um, The Lakers, I'm not even going to say the Knicks because they should be, but they aren't. But like (laughs) you get the idea with the whole metropolis and the city. Toronto is that. All I'm saying is Toronto's better than like Milwaukee, Minnesota, no, yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma City. Like they're better than a lot of places. Yeah, that's true. You know, the stigma of playing in Canada is going away, and uh, you know people like our prime minister. Yeah, Joe Trudeau. I don't know if you saw that. Joe Trudeau. The famous <laughs> Heard he's a nice guy, eh? <laughs> oh man, yeah. But people like uh, people like it in the city, man. People like the culture of the city, so. I'm not surprised that he's sad that he left. I'm sad that he left, man. I'm going to miss the dunks. That's going to be my favorite part about Terrence Ross, or I guess like the thing I miss the most about him. So is he not the third or second greatest dunker of all time in Raptors history? I know it's a short history, but Vince Carter is obviously number one. Mm-hmm. Is Who's better, Ross or McGrady? Uh, probably Ross. Remember that one dunk where Tracy, or not Tracy McGrady, where Terrence Ross, like, was on the break and Kenneth Faroo was trying to block him and he literally he just like brought it all the way back and just like actually just detonated on Kenneth Faroo. That was probably my fa- one of my favorite dunks ever. So people like, forget that one. That was the cock that thing back. Like no, no, James was, Johnson dunk before. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I it mean, was not not to the same level. But it was crazy, man. It was it was crazy because it was in the open floor too. And that's what made it. That's what it made like you know catastrophic. But yeah, I'm gonna place him at number two. What about you? I would say number two as well, just because most of McGrady's best stuff came as not a member of the Raptors. It came with the Magic and Rockets. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so obviously the team sucks. Um, <laughs> they're bad. Will we see a resurgence with Ibaka? 
Yo, can you, what do you think is just give me like the one reason why the Raptors are bad? Like, what is the thing? The one reason? Yeah. If you had well, to we narrow it down to a few to, reasons. If you had to narrow it down to one thing, what would it be? You know, I used to think it was the defense, but seeing a lot of the things that have been said recently, specifically after the Pistons loss, mm-hmm. the implosion in that locker room where you know Lowry was said, but he said, Tamari Carroll kind of gave that ominous tweet about I, I'm gonna say Dwayne Casey mm-hmm. but man I don't know there's there's a multitude of things that have just kind of they're just kind of conjoined in this one gigantic problem and if I had to pick one thing though like this is a me just kind of dancing around the question a little bit um I'm, I might say it's Dwayne Casey right now wow and I, I hate I hate saying that because I think he does so many things well for this team but seeing the disconnect between him and the players now I know he can call it a marriage type relationship where there's a love hate but you can't keep doing the same things repetitively down the stretch. This ISO offense, these horrific inbound plays, they just look lost. And they keep losing games because they look lost down the stretch. And at some point, you know, you can say that falls on the players, but it's got to fall on the coaches too for not having them properly prepared. So, yeah, and plus they're playing the, that, double, that double center lineup, man. Banish it. Oh. Why? Banish <laughs> that line. Just, why, man? I mean, I understand Patrick Patterson's injured, but oh my goodness. Serge you know, you Ibaka. think they would have learned their lesson after the KCP three at, with 13 seconds left because that whole three happened because Bebe and JV got caught in a switch mm-hmm. and they couldn't get over to the wing guy and KCP just sat there and had about eight feet to shoot that three. It was just a wide open look. I get that, that stuff can't happen. Yeah, and oh, my goodness, and it's just even in the Chicago game that just passed, was, there was these backdoor cuts where both Naguera and like JV are like in the middle of the key, but there's like you know. Taj Gibson just like chilling behind both of them. They're not paying attention to him. Yeah, and that, like all these defensive issues we're describing right now are kind of why I feel like if I had to pick one reason, it, it, it's Dwayne Casey. It's just because of that. Like these are all things he's known for, right? He was known as a disciplinary, defensive minded coach. Obviously, Rick Carlisle is one of arguably the best late game coaches in the league, or at mm-hmm. least uh, tacticians, where he's very strategic and when he draws up, he can just isolate mismatches. He's very good at all those different things. And you would think Casey coming from that system would have a similar concept where he can do that, right? Mm-hmm. That hasn't been the case. So I, that's why I kind of circled back to Casey because it's easy to point the finger and say the defense sucks. Right. But they've sucked all year. They've just been outscoring <laughs> people. Yeah, they've sucked all year. Which is weird because uh, Dwayne Casey is supposed to be a defensive coach. I think everybody says that. He's like, yeah, Dwayne Casey is supposed to be a defensive coach. And then they say, I don't know what's happening to the defense. I thought he was supposed to be a defensive coach, you know? I think we just need to bury that moniker of him being a defensive coach because it's not true. I think so, too. Here, here's a question for you. Do you think Dwayne Casey's voice or his message as a whole is kind of worn thin in the Raptors' locker room? Probably, yeah, because he's... First of all, he's he is like a dis- disciplinarian. Like, he does, like, yell about, uh, you know, we got to play harder. We got to make, you know, harsher cuts. You know, we got to... Everybody has to be ready just you insert know. cliche here. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> really, when like you listen to like the the top coaches in the league, and they're like, "Oh, we just gonna have to make sure you know we share the ball, and we have to play it collectively as a group," which is also cliches, right? But it's like we're trying to have Get good fun. spacing. Yeah, good spacing. But I'm not even getting the good spacing thing from Dwayne Casey, you know. And when he's playing these doubles double center lineups, he's just like the antithesis of of good spacing. <sighs> All I hear is like just gonna work hard, grind them down. You know, a lot of the same cliche buzzwords. And it starts with our defense. Yeah, it starts with the defense. <laughs> and when in doubt, just isolation, Demar Derozan. 
Yeah, which and, ha- hasn't worked for years, man. And he's you know he's putting a lot of trust in Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry to like score points, which is uh, you know a good idea. But that's all he's doing. You know, like nobody's yeah. really getting nobody's getting plays drawn up for them, and nobody's really getting action with the ball other than those two players. So here's the other issue that I'm having a tough time coming to gripes with is I kind of came to the conclusion that the whole Casey, you know, he might be the biggest issue. But what else is available outside of doing Casey? Who's better? Who can actually step up and improve this team as a coach? I don't think there's an option out there right now. Not That's the moment. other side of this Not coin. at the moment. You know, you notice that there hasn't been any, like, firings this year? Well, because who, who do you bring in, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, well, there was, like, whole for the past two or three years, it was like this huge coaching carousel where just like at least like three or four coaches would get fired a year and you'd have new blood every year. But um, yeah, now they don't have any, there's no, you know, there are no coaches in the salvo right now. So you kind of well, like think, think about the two, I guess we'll call them household names that are still on the market from all the rumors that happened last summer. It's John Calipari, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He ain't leaving. He's making more Kentucky than he would with the Raptors. People don't want to hear that, but you know that's a fact. And then Jeff Van Gundy. But do you really think he's going to leave his job at ESPN to come to the Raptors? I don't know. Those are the two last big names. Aside from that, it's a lot of young. I guess Mark Jackson, technically. Yeah, Mark Jackson, too. Yeah, so three. Yeah, none of them are, like, super attractive. I like Jeff Jeff Van Gundy, though. I like both of the Van Gundys, man. I love them, and... Hearing Chris Childs on True Hoop when he talked about Van Gundy and his days with the Knicks and the Raptors. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard that, that's a must listen, by the way. The way he, he gets into details describing his fight with Kobe, uh, being Vince <laughs> Carter's neighbor, his time in Toronto, all these awesome things. Like, he was fantastic. I know you're not a big Kobe. fan of uh, Amin. You know, Amin can be a bit much to listen to sometimes on the pod, but it's a really good episode. And after hearing what he had to say about Van Gundy, I kind of came around the idea of maybe he could be the Raptors coach if you want to get into it. Yeah, so, you know, Dwayne Keys, I. I I wrote about something like I wrote about Dwayne Casey's uh, seat not getting hot. It's warm. It's a little bit warm. The fact that we're even having this conversation right now means that it's you know there's discontent in the fan base and even in the team. You know we talked about you know Kyle Lowry talking about change or whatever, and then uh, Damari Carroll is making these ominous tweets. So, you know, I think it's time to look around. You know. Trying to look around. We're going to stay with him for a while, but we got to look around, man. Yeah, I'm not saying fire Casey either. Like I know it's kind of sounding that way, but when you look at this Raptors team and you're looking at all the issues, I think we've tried to pin the tail on the proverbial donkey here and say, this is the problem, this is the problem. And we've pinned it everywhere, and there's only one more place to go. <laughs> and it's not the players, because you can't just blow up the roster, right? It's going to be the coach. That's just the way sports works. Coach first, player second. Always works like that. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're just at that point now where it's, it's Dwayne Casey's turn. You know, you can't blow up the roster, but you can retool it. And Serge Ibaka is finally on the Raptors, traded for Terrence Ross. And a first-rounder. The worst first-rounder that we get, that, that we have is getting traded. Yep. The Clippers' first-rounder. Yeah. I like that. That's a good trade, man. Yeah, it's a trade we talked about last week on the podcast where we said, you know, if you had a trade for Serge Ibaka, what would you give up? We both said Terrence Ross in the first-rounder. And that's the most ideal trade, and it happens. So, I mean, kudos to us armchair GMs here. You know, that's one for the good guys. <laughs> um, so, obviously, look at this trade on paper. It makes a ton of sense for the Raptors, especially because down the stretch, they can now deploy Patrick Patterson and Serge Ibaka, oh, which is really rangy, lanky, great oh, defense. Man. 
I can't wait for I can't wait for that to happen. When's their next game? It's <laughs> uh, Fortnite, Charlotte. I cannot wait for that to happen because um, that that def- the defense is gonna be so much better with um him on the team, and they still have Patrick Patterson. Now Patrick Pat, and you know, Ka- uh, Dwayne Casey has been wanting to play Patrick Patterson off the bench his entire career with the Raptors. He's finally gonna have like a legitimate reason to do so. And Patrick Patterson does play well, well with the bench, and it's going to be the return of the Lowry plus the bench lineup. And instead of Ross, it's going to be Norman Powell. It's going to be great, man. When does Patrick Patterson get back? <laughs> well, he said he could have played today. Yeah, I know. I know that. But he's... Okay. Go. Cool. Um, oh, no, because I have so many things written down here about Ibaka where I kind of got more concerned the more research I did. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm, I've been dying to ask you. I've been like, itching to ask you all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's the one thing that Ibaka is going to improve most for the Raptors before I get into the negativity. Which you think it would be defense, mostly just because he's a shot blocker. Uh, he's shooting from... His mid-range shooting is is nice, and especially since they're running double center lineups, you know, it could be uh, of use. But uh, you need him defensively. Orlando's been terrible defensively. But Orlando is also terrible offensively, and when you're bad offensively, it bleeds into your defense. I'm glad you brought up defense because, you know, I put on my little uh, analytics geek cap here, hashtag analysis, and I decided to look more into what Ibaka is. Really, he's just a jump shooter this year and was kind of turning into that last year. Numbers this year suggest he's just an average defender. Defensive metrics, he's the 10th worst rim protector in the NBA by opponent's field goal percentage. So that's ranking with the likes of Dirk Nowitzki, Jokic, Vucevic. These are all guys that are just average defenders, and that's where Ibaka's clumped into. He's yeah, had a he, career low 1.6 blocks this year too. So defensive RPM isn't very good. Like, there's things that suggest he's not as effective of a defender as he once was. Yeah, but he's also playing alongside Aaron Gordon, Vucevic. Like, th- those are not the best um, defensive players. Let's just to put it lightly. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to ask you next. I was going to ask you if it's more of a byproduct of him playing with bad guys in Orlando, or is this actually him declining? He's supposed to be 26, right? His 27. When, sorry, at 27, your athleticism declines, so that's going to affect his shot blocking. But he's also playing like he's just not playing with anybody that's good defensively. Like it, you can only be like even Paul. I would think you would look at Paul George um, defensive statistics this year or defensive RPM. And you'll notice that he's worse this year than he was in previous years, and that it's not just because he's worse. Right, his entire team is worse defensively. He has Jeff Teague on his on his squad. He has Monte Ellis. Those guys are playing huge, huge minutes. Miles Turner isn't Miles Turner isn't where you want him to be. You have the potential for him, right, to be really good, but he's not there yet. So Paul George is still doing his thing. You know, he's still being six foot nine, lanky, and strong. But if everybody else is worse around him, he has to cover so much more area. The team's just going to get scored on more, and it's going to affect him. Uh, affect him. Right, so his defensive stats are gonna look worse just because everybody else is is bad on his team. I feel like that's what's happening with Serge Ibaka. Is just... don't forget that the Thunder, their defense was like their their starting five was <laughs> Stephen Adams, Serge Ibaka, Kevin Durant, right, Roberson, and and Westbrook. That team was always like a top five or top ten defense, just by not just by Serge Ibaka, but like that collection of that starting five. Which is interesting because when you look at Ibaka individually, since that title run five years ago where they played the Heat, he's regressed each season and his rebounding rate and his blocks. Everything is slowly regressed. And I look back at when he had that knee injury with the Thunder 
And it just was something that lingered with him and bothered him for a while. And then the Thunder brought Ennis Cantor out of nowhere. And then they suddenly part ways with Serge Ibaka. So <laughs> do you think that maybe they knew something about Ibaka and his knees and his play that just kind of turned them off of him? Or do you think it was just more of, hey, we need to save some cap space. We see more upside in Cantor. Like, what is it? Because that's another part that I'm having a tough time. Do I read into it too much? Or is this a legit thing? The knee thing is possible just because if, it, you know, jumping with bad knees is a bad idea. I just got you just gotta wait for him to come to Toronto, man. I just want to see, need to see him play because now he's gonna be on like a like an actual team with like yep. an, a fighting chance for the Eastern Conference Finals. So, dude, Abaka feels like the oldest twenty-seven-year-old in the league, though. Like, I feel like he's been true. playing for a lot longer than his age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of those guys like Kevin Durant and Westbrook and uh, James Harden—they're like in their ninth, tenth year in the NBA, if you can believe it. It's crazy. It's actually crazy. And it's scary because that means I'm getting older too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like When I first saw this trade, I was like, this is ideal. This is perfect for the Raptors. You know, Ibaka, all those numbers suggest that he might be declining, but I think that's just him playing in a really shitty environment in Orlando that, come on, let's be real. Like, you, Are you really going to get excited to go play a game for Orlando every day? Probably no, not. No. Toronto, totally different. Totally different environment. Everything's different here as in comparison to Orlando. Mm-hmm. However... Is he just a rental, or is this somebody the Raptors are going to sign the offseason? Because they said they would like to sign him in the offseason, have the intentions to, but what do you think the chances are of that? It depends on how well he plays. Because everybody else is paying attention to the same things you are, where he's like, you know, he's been gradually, slowly declining. Um, but if he plays really well, he's gonna have, we're going to have like another Bismack Biombo situation on our hands, but we'll have bird rights on him. Okay, so it's interesting you mentioned that whole Bizak Biombo and the Bird Ride situation. Little interesting tidbit of information about Ibaka. Do you know who his agent is? I don't know if no, you know. No, I don't. It's the exact same agent as Kyle Lowry. Him and Lowry share agents. Mm, okay. So maybe Masai Jury could make them work yeah, together and a get deal. a team-friendly yep, deal. Yep, yep, yep. That's Give something else I was looking at, too, as an angle that maybe a jury is thinking further ahead than, you know, we're seeing here, Thank which is you. very typical of him. Like he waited this whole trade out, and you came prepared for the podcast today, man. Holy, <laughs> like you know, we we, uh, we like, both okay. do we both do some research before, you know, and we look into things during the game. But you're just here, like looking at people's agents. You would, can you tell me something that's going on with MLSC? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the MLSC has said that they would be uh, willing to pay up for. Like pay the luxury luxury task for the Raptors if they're a good team, and if they have Serge Ibaka, they're going to be a better team. And if they if they want to retain Patterson, Lowry, Ibaka, you look at who they have now. Unless they trade a Corey Joseph for Jonas Valanciunas, let's just hypothetically say they re-sign those guys and keep what they have in place right now. Dude, it could go up to one hundred and thirty million. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. They're looking at around one hundred thirty million. That's a shit ton of money. Which is actually more than how much the Cavs pay their players. So <laughs> I highly doubt the Raptors do that. <laughs> Lead just in the offseason, does this mean bye-bye JV or bye-bye Corey Joseph? Like, th- you would think one of them is on the move, I right? I think they're going to try and strike some sort of deal with Ibaka. So it's, they're going to be in this weird middle ground where they're going to be like, okay, we need him to play well, like well enough to make us to the Eastern Conference Finals and make it look competitive, but not well enough where he's just like, you know, is not not well enough so that the city city is embracing him like he's you know our father like Bismack Biombo. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, Ray's right? is like I want you to do, like, imagine just like want to get a like a B 
you know? Like, all right, A is too good to get to draw too much attention, and C, you know, I'm going to get in trouble by my parents, so we're just going to slide in on the B. Perfect, you know, middle. <laughs> that's going to be in a Eastern Conference Finals berth? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's what the Raptors ideally want. Just him play well, play well enough for us to get to Eastern Conference Finals. We don't have to max him out. But we're gonna give him, you know, he's probably gonna get like a nice pay increase, and uh, we're not paying, him, we're not paying our players more than the Cavs. That's exactly what they want. That is a perfect like scenario for them. <laughs> if that can happen, great. Highly doubt it though. Highly doubt it. I know. So, they're gonna be looking at a max for him, and they're gonna be looking at a max for him, Patterson, and Lowry this this offseason. A max for Ibaka? They're going to be. I'm, it could be happening. You, what do you think yeah. his agent's going to be like? Oh, you know, it's, you know, half the max or whatever. No, it's like, oh yeah, aim for this guy. I mean, look at what guys like Mozgov, Joakim Noah, um, Ian Mahimi with Washington, even Biombo. Look what they got this past off season. Exactly. Uh, Abaka's going to get a little more than that. So, god damn, that's like low twenty <laughs> mils, low I'm twenty just, mils a season. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, like that that core of like Lowry, DeRozan, Baca could be like seventy Woo. million dollars. A little a luxury low. tax. Right, just those three guys. Well, add in JV, and you're looking at what, eighty-five to eighty-eight million dollars right there, and yeah. four guys. So it's going to be really, really, really expensive, man. So somebody, Damn. so you're right. So somebody might, you know, might get a trade. We might see a Kojo move. Hey, Kojo to Atlanta. They need a backup point guard. Um, we'll take Tim Hardway Jr. or Tabo Cephalos off your hands. You know, we need a wing defender, a little perimeter guy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> send him over. I mean, well, DeLon Wright did play play today. Looked and good, too. He looked pretty good, especially for, you know, being in and out of the D-League and the NBA. So if he can, uh, you know, Powell's going to get some extra time with uh, Ross gone. And by extension, I would think that DeLon Wright is going to get some of those minutes as well. You would think. So if well, he Just starts- to circle back quick on the Ibaka thing, I know it's completely off top, not mm-hmm. even off topic, but just... It's just out of sync. I'm just going to circle back quick and just <laughs> put a bow on it and say, I think the best part about this trade that I forgot to mention is that he's an upgrade over Siakam Rebebe, oh, and now the Raptors God. don't have to rely on giving them massive minutes. Siakam is no longer playing, by the way. No, and I know he's no longer playing. That's but, just know, not happening just, anymore. Yeah, now he'll probably go spend some time in 905, to be honest. Yeah, he'll be in 905 pretty pretty frequently, just because like Ibaka and then Patterson is like, okay, we're good on power forwards, finally. So for the cost, that's cheap. It feels like a dire need for the Raptors. Yeah, man, dude, can you just soak it in a little bit? You know that 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 need we've been talking about for years is finally getting filled. Serge Ibaka. Since Chris Bosh. Since Chris Bosh, we haven't had a power forward on this team. Should we pour one out for every <laughs> fallen power forward that couldn't fill the Raptors' needs? One for Scola. <laughs> Pascal. <laughs> For Pascal oh, Siakam. Yeah, two oh, for Pascal. He's oh, gonna need it. Oh my goodness. Who else was yeah. there? There was that was that was pretty much it. That's all Can that comes to like recent memory, man. I blacked out. I blacked Amir out. Johnson. Amir Johnson. You know, I think he, he was if, the best one that we had if since C before. If he was like young right now, he'd be a center. And he'd be a, like a pretty good center, actually. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he'd be not bad. So I didn't mean to interrupt on your trade there with your, your train of thought, but this is something I had to squeeze in. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So with uh, – oh, what was I thinking about? 
Oh yeah, with Terrence Ross gone, Norman Powell is getting minutes, bro. The Church of Norm. The the pious and the patience has finally paid off, and we're gonna see Norman Powell being like the consistent backup shooting guard slash small forward on this team. Yeah, I can summarize it in two words: about time. About time. So finally, you have no idea how happy I am right now about this. Like I'm actually ecstatic. <laughs> I'm actually ecstatic. He's such a good player, right? And just the seniority of Terrence Ross is the only thing that stood in his way. And now we're finally going to see him like have consistent minutes for this Raptors team. But can you just like think about he was before he was like being the third guard off the bench or fourth guard off the bench, and sometimes he would start for the team. Like so, they knew he was good. They just had, there was just so much, there was so much, like, random crap in front of him. There were so many different players in front of him that he just never could play. But finally, 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 it's happening. That's he's it, much more versatile than Terrence Ross, in my opinion. And I say that in terms of being a two-way player and his ability to switch on just about everything, you know. You can isolate Terrence Ross on the low block or even down in the wing and just kind of expose him a bit with some moves. Whereas Norm Powell, mm, I'm not going to say he's some grizzled veteran tony allen like defender here but he's an upgrade over terrence he's ross in that sense. that's what if it, it feels like we we traded terrence ross in a first for norman powell and serge Ibaka. yeah right and i would take that that trade seven seven days out of the week you know okay 52 weeks a year i want that trade every time because i like norman powell is like the most underutilized aspect of this team and finally gonna see like what he can really do this team, I, I legitimately think this team's going to rip, like, when Surge, it's not the next game, but the game after, they're going to go on, like, a five or six game winning, winning streak. I agree with that, and I think they have to because the pressure from Boston is on. Boston is, man, they, they just went on the West Coast, won five or six games without Jay Crowder, without Avery Bradley. Like, they haven't even played the starting lineup they want to play yet, and they're ripping off wins. They're one or two games behind the Cavs now, too who just lost Kevin Love for six weeks. So never mind falling the fourth or fifth in the fourth place in the East. Boston's pulling away with the division. Yeah, which is insane. Raptors are not fifth. Celtics at second. I mean, you would see them in the second. You wouldn't even get to see them in the second round at this point. You see in Cleveland. But, right. but, 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 if, Cle- if uh, Cleveland is, you know, they're taking... They're slated for a nosedive with this Kevin Love loss, man. Like, they're missing Kevin Love and J.R. Smith at this point. Yep, add to the list of excuses for LeBron. It's not okay. an excuse, man. They're playing, I know, I know. <laughs> they're playing Derek Williams. I love saying it because it, it gets everybody all riled up. He's playing, they're playing Derek Williams, like, significant minutes, bro. Yeah, it's actually ridiculous. So, it's the, okay. the East is forever in flux, but it's actually, like, looking really, really crazy. Well, that's what makes it fun, though, is that it's in flux until the playoffs when King LeBron comes down off his throne from his mighty mountain and just literally destroys everyone. Mm-hmm. Just walks in, burns villages, goes wherever he wants, does whatever he wants, just deal with it. It's his East. Everybody plays in it. So right. at do least you, this year it's fun. Do you think it matters where they finish in the East? No. No. no I think they can finish eighth and they'll run the table. In eighth? Wow. I don't even think it matters where they finish they in the East. They have to play East. every – they have to start on away, basically. Look at their roster construction and tell me which team is better in the East. We're talking a healthy Cavs versus a healthy any team in the East. I'm just saying the Wizards. The Wizards gave them a run for their money. 
can they do that over seven games? No, I Until don't. Until the team doesn't play, like you know, nobody's beating them. Yeah, that's a shame, bro. It is. I'm just going to stick with what I've seen run through the East for pretty much the last decade, and that's LeBron James. <laughs> so until somebody can slay that guy, I'm just going to put my money on him every time. He is 32. Like he I'm is not getting... gonna, So you can light your money on fire. I'm going to bet on and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm not, he just doesn't lose to the East, man. Yeah, it's, I don't. I'm betting against LeBron is like betting against um, like betting against the Pats. Okay, you just don't. Yeah, it's just no But does Boston make a counter move now that the Raptors have made this, air quotations, massive move for Serge Ibaka? For the Raptors it is, but in the grand scheme of the NBA, it's an above average move. It's not one that's going to shake the whole landscape of the NBA, but the Celtics have the ability to make that kind of move. Like If they trade this third, this pick, this Brooklyn pick, this mythical creature that they own. <laughs> the Brooklyn pick. Yo, it's actually a big pick right now. That's like... Possibly number one, probably. Yeah, it's possibly first in the in the draft. That's not even a trade. I don't think that's a trade asset anymore. I think they're just going to draft off that. Me too, because this is a loaded draft. So, do you keep that pick, or do you trade it and get a guy like, let's say, Jimmy Butler? Jimmy, but Jimmy Butler is definitely gettable now. But I don't know, man. That's tough. Dude, see, because when you made that trade for Jimmy Butler, then you're like, that's a literal all-in trade because you had no, like you have top three in your hand. And you're just gonna be like, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna give this away to the Bulls for like, I don't know if he's he's probably what, like the third best shooting guard in the league. I'd say so. He's he's really really good. He is. He's playing amazing. But that's their issue right now is, I mean, defense. He's gonna provide that. But like rebounding, he's a he's you know above average rebounding rebounding shooting guard. But I just don't think it suits what they need. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think DeMarcus Cousins would be a better fit. And I think there is one big question mark with Jimmy Butler that you hear more and more people bringing up. Um, he might have a problem getting along with alpha males, per se, where obviously him and Dwayne Wade get along perfectly fine. So that's why I'm kind of perplexed by hearing this. But you listen to a lot of different NBA podcasts or NBA analysts speak, and you listen to – or you read their stuff, and you just kind of skim through a lot of different beat reporters in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And – Jimmy Butler has problems with teammates. He's had problems with teammates since ownership tried to screw him with the contract issue with Tony Snell, where they just said, you know, you're going to take our deal. We're going to bridge you. If you don't like it, we're going to play Tony Snell and devalue you. And ever since then, he's had issues, right, with ownership. And then it's trickled down into the locker room. And apparently he's had issues with teammates. I think if you really think – well, sorry, but do you think he could play second fiddle to Isaiah Thomas? Or can Isaiah Thomas play second fiddle to Jimmy Butler? mm. You know, like, these are real questions you got to ask if you're going to acquire a guy like this. Yeah, I think you can, like, just because Dwayne Wade's in the locker room, I think you'd be able to, because Dwayne Wade is just, like, sucks the oxygen out of the out of the room, whenever whichever room he's in, regardless of what it is, but in the locker room, definitely, like, he's a huge presence. So when, if, like, Jimmy went to Boston, he's a grinder, like, at his heart, he's a grinder, that's all he does is play basketball, that's, like... That's all he loves. That's the only thing that he thinks about and does is play basketball. So if there is like a, a person who is like, this is my thing, and you're just you're number two, we can hang out. But this is my thing. Don't forget, it's my thing. I think he can do that, man. He just hates. He just hates like the the Bulls uh, front office, bro. After that, I understand why that story, which is kind of a rumor, but kind of isn't because everybody believes that it's not a rumor. That's huge, dude. Can you imagine if somebody said that to another? If somebody said that to uh, Demar Derozan, 
where like yeah you know if his contract say his contract you know when his contract came up yesterday uh last year they're like we're actually gonna play powell over you unless you sign like a lower contract can you imagine no, the f- <laughs> can you imagine just, the just imagine yourself put yourself in his shoes i'd be like you can kindly go fuck yourself to put it bluntly here yeah like, ex- no that's so not like, happening and plus, then, and plus, the team is just like a ramshackle group of just a miscollect, like these weird toys. It doesn't make any sense. So he's probably just like pissed playing there. That's why I would be pissed playing, be, be pissed playing there. So, well, I, I, I call just, Chicago hybrid Orlando because Orlando doesn't know what the hell they're doing, and they have all these bigs. Whereas Chicago doesn't know what the hell they're doing, and they have all these random parts that can't Guards. shoot. Yeah. None of them can. <laughs> nobody on those teams can shoot, except for Terrence Ross. And Jimmy Butler, I guess. And that's and it. Jimmy Butler, yeah. And like, maybe Doug McBuckets when he gets hot. That's yeah, about it. Yeah, and Meritich <laughs> is barely, like, Meritich barely plays now. <sighs> well, I don't even know what happened to that guy. But here, <laughs> here's the thing, too, that I think people are underestimating about Boston is that President Brad Stevens, if this guy can get hotheads like Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, and I'm sure there's a couple other guys in there we don't hear about as much, but if he mm-hmm. can get all those guys to get along and play as one cohesive unit... Who the hell is to say he can't get Jimmy Butler and Isaiah Thomas to coexist, yeah, hypothetically def- speaking? I definitely think it will be possible, man. DeMarcus Cousins? Then then we're having a conversation about I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's a different beast. He's obviously being targeted, too. You see some of these foul calls against him. They're, they're atrocious. Yeah, they're – no, yeah, you're right. They're absolutely targeting him now. I'll be <sighs> – I hate talking about DeMarcus so much, man, just because – So I love- polarizing? I love him as a man. I love him, man. I love the way he is off the court, which doesn't get enough um, like publicity of like all the charity stuff that he does, and like his play, just his, just his pure playing. You know, just like his basketball ability. I just love it. And this mood thing, I'm always angry thing that he, that he has going on. If he could just temper that, like if he could temper it, like Russell Westbrook, because what Russell Westbrook is like. He seems to be angry all the time, but he's just ang- he's just playing angry basketball. You don't see him getting angry at the refs or anything. Like he kind of does, but then he doesn't go over the top with it. If he could just set, if he could just focus his angry, his angriness on the basketball alone, he'd be an amazing player, and any any GM would want him. But for whatever reason, he can't. He can't do that, and it's man, it hurts everybody's opinion of him, man. Even though he's so good, I just I don't know, man. I just don't know anymore with him. It does, and the, I guess, scary part about that is owners, coaches, general managers, they they still don't care. They're still willing to take a chance on him because if you feel like you can make it work with him, the rewards are massive. Like, look at tonight. The guy's got 27, 11, and 7, and there's almost an entire fourth quarter to play. Yeah. just like, pure, That's the kind of talent we're talking about. Pure basketball brilliance, man. Sometimes I think of, like, sometimes I legit think about times – if you just didn't get drafted by Sacramento, if you got drafted by like a different team, how his career, yeah. would, how his career uh. would play out? That'd be interesting. I think I think the pod might be over, man. <laughs> yeah, on that note, it's over. I was gonna make up a, a Russell Westbrook cupcake joke, but you know, it's not worth it because they got waxed by. What? Yeah, they got destroyed. They, they got waxed hard. They looked. They well, looked watch. good. In, they looked good in the first quarter for like the first half of the first quarter. I think you made that joke just, earlier where you're like, yeah, just see. First half of the first quarter is going to be yeah, awesome, and then like everything else is going to be destruction. And that's what happened. But for yep. that first half of the first quarter. We got eight minutes of a good game, and then it turned into headbutting, 
cupcakes yelling from afar saying i'm coming and look at the scoreboard you're losing um and he, what, what else is memorable from that katie's three from like 30 feet mm-hmm. out that was my favorite the dagger um i don't know i think we just summed the game up right there yeah yeah i miss the thunder i miss kevin Durant and the thunder me too i miss that too ah cupcakes <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know what? Okay, there was actually there was actually something that was really important that they said there. Remember on the on the broadcast where it was I think it was Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, where they were talking about whether or not winning a championship with the Warriors would like elevate whether or not winning a championship with the Warriors would elevate their opinion of Kevin Durant, and they said no. Me neither. All of them, which was well, what do you huge, think? right? Because. You would think about for any other player if they won a championship, like, yo, this guy is insane. Can you believe? Like, for example, James Harden. If James Harden won the championship this year, people would be like, yo, this guy is absolutely, it's like he's something else. He's a somehow he's a different animal, but the same beast. I don't know what he did this year, but he just somehow willed this team to victory. But for Kevin Durant, they're just like, yeah, of course they're supposed to win. Well, yeah, you had Draymond. I mean, you had Steph. <laughs> You know, they're just going to keep going on and on. And it's kind of sounds sad to say because I do agree with it. But at the same time, why are we criticizing Durant all the time for making a professional business decision, right? And I hate framing it like that because it's like, yeah, but, you know, like, you're not supposed to just join a record-breaking team and basically get handed a free title. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that that side of the argument too. But at the same time, I'm we may not like what Katie did, but we got to at least understand it. I mean, it makes sense for him, right? Yeah, As a player – Business-wise, marketing, like, taking every factor, it makes sense for Durant to do what he did. Yeah, that's true. You know, it kind of reminds me of, um, I don't I don't watch that much baseball. I do watch it during, like, the season, but I don't know much about the history, except for this one team. I think it was a Yankees team. It was, like, in the, in the 60s or something like that, where the team was so good, right? Like, it was so sad they had won so many championships in, like, a short period of time that you know everybody just recognized like this is such an amazing team like the the opinion of the team was was like yeah you know they're amazing i forgot the name they had a nickname too oh uh, it was in the 1920s you're thinking of murder's row yes where it was, it was right. just garrick ruth mantle it was just maris like the guys were it was unbelievable what they had yogi Berra, it was just stupid yeah exactly and they're just like you know of course they're gonna win like a billion championships you see how good this team is and like it you know, you know there are obviously Hall of Famer pl- Hall of Fame players on it, but not everybody is a Hall of Fame player on that team. You know, you're just like, yeah, of course they're supposed to win. They win. That's what they're supposed to do. How do you not win with all that talent? So that's what's. I think that's what's going to happen to this Warriors team. And I feel like that's going to hurt like Kevin Durant's legacy. He'll probably make the Hall of Fame just because he has two MVPs and he has like a bunch of scoring championships, but his legacy will be hurt. Like, if you won five championships, do you really rank him above LeBron? No. Yeah. Well, it depends where he wins those five. If you but won also, them in, LeBron... on this Warrior squad, if you won, like, three, oh, three four, five no. on this Warrior squad. No. I don't put him above LeBron. And I don't know if I ever will be able to put him above LeBron because LeBron transcended the NBA. Literally transcended this sport almost. And the way you market yourself, um, this whole big three thing that he pretty much – I don't want to say he started – because the Celtics kind of started it, but LeBron, you know, actually going as a free agent and joining them was more bigger than the than the uh, Celtics making trades and assembling this big three. Like LeBron literally made this big three as a free agent, um, playing. The dude's literally from a lab. The way he does everything, like mm-hmm. everything LeBron does, is just special. 
And I know a lot of people out there hate him, but you can't deny that this guy's transcended the sport. Yeah. So that's the price you pay when you're Kevin Durant, man. When uh, when it's easier to make, they're cheaper. That's what happens to your rings. So by the sounds of it, he's in a lose-lose situation. Unless, unless he does one more season Golden State, goes back-to-back, gets two rings. By then, some team on the East Coast might have some things figured out, and he goes and he saves New York Knicks. Then he's a basketball <laughs> legend. If anybody's <laughs> that, that is how you know we're done the podcast. <laughs> if anybody saves the Knicks, then they're a legend for sure. They're a god. Oh, I mean, would that not be a, a somewhat appealing though to LeBron or Durant? Maybe at the you know back end of their career, a new challenge. Oh, if Dolan leaves, yeah, <laughs> we're way off the rails. By the way, we're way <laughs> off. Oh man, if Dolan leaves, you ever. <laughs> That's not happening, my friend. He will die with that with that franchise. Like you have to pry it from his cold, dead hands. For you'll ever give it up. Which is sad. Which is so sad. On that note, we're done. We'll come back with the thing. <laughs> Rank the Raptors' assets of what they could trade. Still, possibly, um, maybe getting some salary cap numbers. You know, kind of boring stuff. Because this is probably the Raptors' big trade of the deadline. I don't think they're gonna make a bigger one. Maybe they'll add a wing player or something like that. But this is probably it. So we'll come back. Hey, you never know. Anyways. Alright guys. See you Thank later. you for listening. As always, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Damar on Twitter at Damar J. Grant. Enjoy watching the Raptors suck, guys. Uh, they might lose again tomorrow night if they win. Don't act too surprised. Don't act too surprised. <laughs> oh. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. That's all. I can't believe that might be possible again. Raptors winning games. There's going to be a resurgence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, guys. Later. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs>